Hello and welcome to Behind Closed Boards. Our guest today is Jason Korb of Korb and Associates here in Milwaukee. Jason and his team have shaped Milwaukee with many clients and projects that you would probably recognize, including Sensenbrenner Hall at Marquette, St. Augustine Preparatory Academy on South 5th Street, Visit Milwaukee, the Kinetic in Bayview, Element in Walker's Point, and most recently, the well-known Ascent Milwaukee, the tallest mass timber building in the world, which has brought a lot of recognition to Milwaukee. This is a transformative building that is changing building codes and construction methods around the country. And that's what we'll talk about today. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Behind Closed Boards. I'm your host, Jonathan Ward. Today, we'll be discussing the Ascent Milwaukee, a mass timber high-rise apartment building with our special guest, designer Jason Korb. For reference's sake, today's podcast is being recorded on November 10th, 2022. Jason, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So you have gotten a lot of publicity from this uh, building. It's been um, amazing You know how many places I've seen this turn up on, on national publications. Tell me a little bit more uh, about your firm and how it is that you came about designing this project. So we are a full-service architecture and interior design firm founded in 2006, and um, I became sole owner in 2015. We were about 20 uh, architects and designers, and we first learned about Mass Timber. I was at a conference in uh, New York in 2012 and was watching a speaker, an architect from Vancouver named Michael Green. He was talking about the possibility, even 10 years ago, of building timber buildings, 40 stories tall and and beyond. During that presentation, because we were misbehaving, I was talking to a gentleman sitting next to myself and not really too formally, but he, we got to talking and he, he was a structural engineer. He lived in Chicago. He had a, a, a son at school at here at MSOE in Milwaukee. And as the speech concluded, I just asked him, I said, so is this real? And he said, it's very real. And then uh, two hours later, he got up to speak and present the Burj Khalifa, which is the tallest building in the world. Yep. And so he was uh, Bill Baker from Skidmore, Owings and Merrill. So that got my attention. <laughs> um, and so we had just sort of been tracking it for about five years after that. And we met and started working with Newland Enterprises here in Milwaukee in 2017. And we started just batting it around articles about timber, et cetera. And one of the the managing director of Newland saw a demonstration project that was put together called River Beach in Chicago, which theoretically showed that you could build timber up to 80 stories. It was never meant to be built, but it was fully engineered and proven to be a viable system. And so that really inspired Tim Gockman, the, the managing director of, of Newland. And in March of 2018, they directed us to try this on a site that they had owned for a dozen years right here in Milwaukee, we, we started. That's really how it all started. Yeah, for lo- for our listeners, let me uh, give a little bit of, of facts and, and details on the, of the building. So it's 25 stories. It's located at 700 East Kilbourne Avenue uh, here in Milwaukee. It was completed in September of 22 this year. It's 493. 3,000 square feet with 284 feet. It's 259 luxury units. Features include mixed-use retail space, elevated pool, sky deck with a 360-degree panoramic view around the city. Uh, I got to tour the building Tuesday, 
and uh, it was it was pretty pretty spectacular. The the views were were great, and the the high roof on the twenty fifth floor, uh, which is a it's a full floor of club room space. It was pretty spectacular. Other features include EV charging stations, community bar, a golf simulator. There's work share spaces, heated underground parking, on-site management, and a sauna. It's best known as the tallest mass timber high rise uh, in the world. So Jason, tell us a little bit more about what it was like working on this project and then explain to our listeners some of the challenges that you had to overcome to do this. Sure. So when we were directed to, to pursue this effort, we immediately looked to some precedents of uh, tall timber that had been already permitted, uh, mostly in Oregon. We examined their code methodology that allowed them to build timber taller than 85 feet, which is the current sort of prescriptive limit in most places in the country. And we basically came up with a very quick concept within 45 days of being directed to start this. At the time, it was 19 stories. And we presented the concept and the code approach to the commissioner of the Department of Neighborhood Services, which in Milwaukee manages all building inspectors and all plan examiners. Because if we didn't have buy-in from leadership, at least on the approach, then the idea that this was a timber building was over. As luck would have it, he uh, is Preston Cole. Uh, he's now the secretary of the Wisconsin DNR. He was familiar with the technology and he supported it. And he directed his staff to work with us to find a path to approval. And so we started having regular meetings with city staff starting in the summer of 2018. And with them, as well as with the Milwaukee Fire Department, did develop a path that eventually led to permits being issued. What was it about timber that prohibited it from being used in taller buildings in the past? Is it structurally not as strong as steel? Was it the fear of fire? What was it? It's almost exclusively the fear of fire. Okay. Um, and so the way you get around that, and this is the path to approval, is that through third-party testing, you have to prove to the authorities and to the fire department that it will survive in a fire for the as the equivalent of a concrete building. That is, if your building is taller than 180 feet, your vertical structure, that is your, your columns, have to be able to survive in a fire for three hours. And so... We performed in December of 2019 and January of 2020 uh, with, the, with the help of the U.S. federal government and the Department of Agriculture, uh, the world's first three-hour blue lamb fire test. Um, and that was done at the Forest Products Lab in Madison. They, they graciously offered to perform the testing in exchange for um, being able to publish their results, which, of course, we were happy to agree to. And so the tests were done across three different species to, because at the time we didn't know what we were building with, and they all passed. So there was enough structural capacity left after burning these columns for three hours to that they would still be viable structurally. And the way you achieve that is you, you introduce a protective layer around the structural core of the column. So the outer four and a half inches of the columns at ascent are not structurally necessary. They are, they are a protective layer, much like you would fireproof steel with spray applied, applied fireproofing and drywall, or you, you fireproof concrete with more concrete, you fireproof wood with more wood. Tim mentioned something on the tour on Tuesday that wood has a, a measurable 
deterioration uh, through a fire, whereas steel does not. You you don't know where steel is going to fail, that it expands at, at different rates. So you don't know if it's going to fail at the ends and the middle, et cetera. Was there something about that predictability about how it would fail that that made it that made it a better product? We believe so. We've heard anecdotally that if you put a firefighter uh, in front of a steel building that's on fire or a wood building that's on fire, they will run into the wood building 10 times out of 10. Really? Because, because it is predictable. So, and, and by the way, you know, that three hours is assuming catastrophic failures of all the other protective systems. Mm-hmm. So we, we have two water mains coming into the building to feed the sprinklers. They would both have to fail. It assumes that it gets out of one compartment because it's an apartment building. Each, each apartment is a rated compartment. So the, the dominoes that would have to fall over to actually require those columns to do their job for three yeah, hours, right? It's, it's one in a million. Interesting. What qualifies a building as mass timber? Well, mass timber is basically a 20th century. It's really kind of reinvented by the Austrians in the 80s. It's basically a modern replacement for the heavy timber buildings that we built in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. The difference is, for instance, a heavy timber building that you go into that was built 150 years ago the trees that they used to build those buildings when they were taken were five to 700 years old. Mass timber is basically recreating the properties of those buildings, but with trees that are 40 years old and are easily replaceable. And it's replicating the properties of heavy timber by laminating dimensional lumber together until it creates members that are as large as these you know, 700-year-old trees. Tim also mentioned uh, that counterintuitively, mass timber actually is a renewable project product that helps support the maintenance of our forests. You mentioned, uh, you know, most of the forests in the United States, uh, you know, less than 50% are owned by the government. And so therefore, you know, in order to support privately owned forests, we have to maintain a market for them. And so by buying timber, you're actually supporting the forest because they're, it's creating a market for those products. The best way to keep those forests in place is to make them profitable. Mm-hmm. And frankly, for forest health, if let me take a step back, most of the manufacturers of mass timber control much of their own forest land. And so it, it is within their best interest to make sure that they stay healthy. So they're incredibly selective in the trees that they take. And each tree that's taken, A, is replaced by two, and B, it's selected basically looking at the overall health in, of the forest in mind. So is it, is it casting too much shade and preventing uh, undergrowth? Is it just too crowded and it's a, the, the forest needs to breathe a little more? So it's not just taken sort of at random. It's very, it's very, it's very well thought out. You mentioned uh, the city of Milwaukee, that they were relatively receptive to it. What was the biggest challenge that you faced either during the design or the construction phase uh, to do use a completely new product for this market? So just to start, I can't say this enough, that both the city of Milwaukee and the Milwaukee Fire Department were fantastic partners and very open-minded. They used, uh, in their words, a trust but verify approach. As far as challenges are concerned, they were almost all exclusively financial. You know, once we understood that the city was going to work with us, you know, they were holding us accountable, but they were going to work with us. The challenges were all around cost and during design anyway. In Milwaukee, it cost probably 12 to $13 a square foot more than it would have cost if it was a concrete building. 
That is for the materials um, supplied and delivered. As our structural engineer says, Milwaukee is a cheap concrete town. So that challenge varies from market to market because the cost of concrete varies wildly from city to city. And the other financial challenges were really on the owner. For instance, the builder's risk insurance was three to four times as much as it would have been if it was a concrete building. It was tough. Wow. And it's because they have no comps. Now, immediately, you know, behind the building codes around the country catching up to this, the insurance industry is also scrambling to understand this better and make it more affordable. And the technical challenges were all sort of very solvable. But again, so the, the real the real challenges were, were almost exclusively financial. And then during construction, the biggest challenges were around supply chain. So not only did COVID um, in 2020 and 2021 disrupt supply chains, but our timber was coming from Austria. So the path that it had to take to get here included going on the water and the Suez Canal disaster disrupted every major port in the world. Our suppliers had to get creative in how they got it to us because for instance, there was a container shortage. And so some of it had to be shipped on not container ships, which is more expensive. Uh, we did experience a few shipment delays. They generally wanted the timber on site 30 days before it was due to be installed. And by on site, I mean it was being stored at the Port of Milwaukee, who was also a great partner. The day we toured the port in the summer of 2021, um, they were showing us a shipment of, of blue lamb columns. And they said, these columns arrived here at 6 a.m. today. And by 11, they will be on the job site. So it was not 30 days. It was barely more than 30 minutes. So. Wow. But it didn't really too badly affect the overall project schedule. We delivered it maybe 45 to 60 days later than we had hoped, mm -hmm. but also three to four months faster than if, than if it was a concrete building. Part of that cost offset or um, part of that cost increase that I mentioned is offset by speed and is offset by the fact that you can just chase it very quickly with other materials because it doesn't need to cure like concrete does, right? So you can, once it's off, once it's in, it's ready to be worked on, you know, the next day, basically. And the third advantage for speed was that every single penetration in the timber was uh, factory drilled by CNC machines in the factory, again, being redundant. So out of thousands upon thousands of penetrations, all but five showed up on site where they needed to be and ready to receive plumbing or conduit or whatever they needed, so. They had to field drill about five holes out of many thousands. Wow, that, that's amazing that it was that accurate. The road to get there was very painful because there, <laughs> were, there were over, well, not for me personally, but <laughs> over 64 MEP coordination meetings that lasted over a year, basically building a digital twin of every element of the building, literally down to the last screw. And there are 600,000 screws in the building. So Yeah, Tim mentioned that as well, that all the MEP essentially has to be done up front right. because all of this has to be uh, designed structurally. All of that has to be uh, pre-cut and then shipped over here. So a couple of the design elements that uh, struck me was the biophilic design. So that's uh, incorporating nature into the design. So obviously the, the natural wood elements uh, up on the 25th floor where the, uh, the clubhouse is, uh, you have a, a slanted high ceiling uh, with natural wood beams, natural wood ceiling. Throughout the building, you have natural, I want to say, elements and design that feels like you're, it's in nature. I noticed even in the carpet that 
there's a, a, a pattern that feels like it's the in the forest floor. It, it was very impressive space to be in, and I liked the the incorporating of natural elements from a design aspect. You know, being your being your baby uh, as a designer, what elements were you most uh, impressed with or, or liked the most? Well, obviously, the the thing we are most in love with was the the exposed timber. So about 40% of the timber is exposed in the building, mostly ceilings, but also in columns and beams. And what we found, first of all, even the testing, right? We walked into the lab for, for the fire testing, and it's like you were walking onto a campsite. It smelled like a campfire because they were burning wood. But then the second the timber started to go up in June of 2021, what we found, and I'm, I did it too, is that without exception, when people were, would walk on that deck, the very first thing they would do is put their hands on a column. So people want to be around it. Um, studies have proven it improves, you know, health in general and mental health. And so we tried to bring in as much of that as we could. And that's that's really it. And, you know, the, in terms of the interiors, I can personally take zero credit for that. So that was all Tim and our uh, interior design team. Um, I'm curious if you could talk to us a little bit more about what's next for you guys. Uh, is this a, uh, a one-off project? So that's a great question. I would say once it was announced at the end of the summer of 2020 that this thing was permitted and was going to be built, I don't know that anyone believed that this was going to happen until it actually did. There was a part of myself that fell into that category. But starting in the spring of 2021, literally the phone the phone just started ringing so um we're we're picking up timber projects literally coast to coast um from florida to california we have one in michigan we're working on and we have one in um, st louis that could be um up to 29 stories tall everywhere you go you start the conversation like we did here with the building officials which is will you be open to having a conversation and no one has said no to us yet so we're we're just going to, and but every city municipality jurisdiction has a different process. So for instance, in California, we're we're designing a 12-story timber building. In California, that's already by right. So you can build 12, you can build up to 18 stories of timber in California because they've adopted a newer building code. There are certain restrictions that they put on it that we don't like. And so we'll wind up asking for variances anyways. But for instance, the 2024 building code, which is being vetted right now, will allow tall timber buildings up to 12 stories with no drywall coverage, which is actually not desirable. But right now it's 80% coverage, which is also not desirable. So this is happening everywhere. There's a number of developers that are building timber pipelines all over the country. And so we expect this to just continue to explode. How about here in Wisconsin? Are uh, local officials uh, in the state uh, embracing this? Well, the, the state itself is embracing this. So one of the things that also happened in 2021 is that they they reached out to us and we hosted a number of uh, a delegation from the state and a number of building officials. And the state DSPS has formed a task force that we sit on and Thornton Tomasetti, the structural engineer for a sense, sits on with an eye for rewriting that section of Wisconsin's building code to allow for tall timber just by right in Wisconsin. And so hopefully that is become sort of the law of the land, maybe by next spring even, where we're hopeful. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, Milwaukee here and uh, the, the work you've done. You've, you've built your business here in Milwaukee. Do you see Milwaukee as a growing marketplace? And if so, why? We see it as a slow growing marketplace. So what we 
you know, what we saw in the Great Recession was, yes, it got bad here, for instance, but we were pursuing work, for instance, in Phoenix at that time. And to say it was a Great Recession in our industry is, uh, is a misnomer. It was, it was a full-blown depression. So in, in Phoenix, for instance, 60% of the architects in Phoenix were unemployed. And not only were they unemployed, they left. They all moved to North Texas because there was nothing for them. But at the same time, by 2012, it was like it had never happened and it was red hot again. So we see the curve in Milwaukee being a little more even Steven, if you will. The highs aren't as high, but the lows certainly weren't as low. Not to say that it wasn't bad here, but um, not as bad as other places. I just read today that we're they're, they're still saying that there is a, a, a demand for housing growing in the area. Mm-hmm. that is not being met. So it, I still think it's, it, it is a, a growth market. Yeah, I was uh, just working on a, a presentation to um, some of my municipal leaders talking about the need for multifamily housing. A couple, couple things I took away was our housing stock here in Milwaukee is old. Mm-hmm. 84% of our housing stock was built before 1980. That's outlier old. Um, and if we want to attract and retain uh, our young people, we have to create multifamily housing because that's where they go first. That's where they find each other and they want to be in places where they can have apartments. You know, they're not ready to buy, you know, my uh, my 1950s um, ranch style house. Uh, first of all, it's cost prohibitive for them at this point. But we, you, you're absolutely right. Milwaukee... Uh, is is slow and steady. You know, we have higher occupancy rates than a, a lot of markets, but part part of that is because we've just historically underbuilt. And in the last 10 years, we have severely underbuilt in this market. Yeah, we met with um, a committee that this, the city put together last summer, wherein they were asking the development community to help the city figure out, for instance, how to get 40,000 more people in downtown Milwaukee. And by their estimates, that means 15,000 new apartments. And how can they help make that happen? And it was a very good um, idea generating session. We'll see what comes out of it. But that's a, that's a citywide issue and a metro area issue, frankly. Well, before we wrap up this episode, we'd like to leave on a happy note. So yeah. Jason and I have been enjoying a local beer. We're enjoying a Batshit Crazy by Mob Craft. Uh, this is a coffee brown ale with lactose. Uh, 5.6% alcohol. Jason, what are your thoughts? I li- it's got a nice punch to it. I really actually li- really like it. The, the hoppiness is kind of a really kind of punchy. Yeah, it, it's um, it's got a, a good sweetness. I think it has a balance between the hoppiness and, and the sweetness with the, the chocolate finish. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I'm impressed. I was afraid I wouldn't like it, but I'm pleasantly surprised. I think it's a good beer. <laughs> Well, uh, as we wrap up, I wanted to let our listeners know that uh, you can hear Jason at the IBIC AEI Building Enclosure Symposium on November 14th through 15th at the Milwaukee Hilton City Center. Um, please stay tuned for future Knowledge Cast episodes with Altius Building Company's Behind Closed Boards podcast series, which features interviews, chats, and brews with building reviews. Check us out online or on our website on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. With that, Jason, uh, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate it and uh, take care. Thank you. Thanks for the beer.